Welcome back to the Red Dice Stories RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And today we're going to be discussing random encounter charts by area. So, as I've said, today we're going to be talking about random encounter charts by area. What inspired you to do this episode then, love? Okay, well, when I was creating the framework for my current Smoke and Snow Old School Essentials campaign, I started thinking about random encounters. There's a few reasons I like random encounters. It adds an element of chance into a game. It means not everything's pre-plotted, which makes it more interesting for me as a GM. And it also, it's a bit of a challenge for both the player characters and also myself as a GM. So, does this, like, come from charts you've got from the books, or...? Yeah, well, Old School Essentials uh, uses a series of charts by default that take into account things like terrain. And the way that basically works is you choose your terrain type, you mm-hmm. roll on that chart, and then it will give you like a subtable to roll on. So you might get, oh, I'm rolling on, I'm rolling for planes for the terrain. Then it might say roll on chart two, animals. And you roll on that, and that tells you what the encounter is. And that has a mix of like NPCs and monster encounters and stuff like that. So do these charts always give you an encounter, or is it sometimes... If you roll on those charts, they always give an encounter. And the way it works in Old School Essentials is sort of every now and again, you basically roll a D6, and if you get a 1, there's a random encounter. So if you don't get that 1 on the D6, there's no encounter. So they don't happen all of the time. And... Are they always combat encounters? Not necessarily. Like I say, there's a mix of NPC encounters on there as well. So you can... You, it tends to be like, you know, you might come across some traders or some merchants, maybe some sailors or other adventuring parties, and they can turn into combat encounters. So obviously, if you go, oh, some merchants over there, let's rob their wagon, that's going to turn into a combat encounter. Mm-hmm. But they don't have to. It depends on how the players uh, deal with that. And that's another good thing about random encounters. I think it's a good point you made, love, that they're often perceived as just being like, you're rolling this random encounter, you've got some monsters pop up, you fight monsters, collect XP and gold, go on your way. Mm-hmm. But they don't always have to be like that. It could be an encounter with like an NPC group or something like that. And I mean, in fact, in my last old school essentials camp- sort of campaign session, we had they're on like a small sort of island called Witch Isle, mm-hmm. which they've they've recently helped sort of purge of undead, and they were exploring that. We had a random encounter. I rolled it, and it said they'd come across an experienced adventuring party. And we had a whole scene spin off from that where there was this other like more experienced adventuring party who turned up and were like, "Yes, we've heard about the tales of undead on this island. We're here to deal with the plague characters." Were like, actually, we've we've kind of already dealt with that. Uh, and like a good portion of the session was just like them finding out about these other NPCs, this other adventuring party, which enabled us to expand the world background. And also, it was nice and challenging for myself because I had to like improvise this other adventuring party, and we had a bit of a laugh about it. So like, there's an elf in the group, and they, they were like, the players were like, "Oh, but he's got long hair, and he keeps like going on that." And I was like, "You best believe he has." Now you mentioned it, <laughs> and, and we just played off that, and it was it was a great fun encounter. And there was no combat rolled whatsoever, apart from when another encounter occurred and they got attacked by a pterodactyl. But that was them and the NPCs fighting against the same thing. Cool. So it sounds like you've been 
doing this for the campaign you've been running for a while have you like personalized it in any way yeah well my uh, my campaign setting is like a sort of subarctic climate so what i did was originally i t- just took the the default ones from old school essentials and where they'd got monsters that were maybe not appropriate for subarctic climates like snakes and stuff like that i just switched them out for more like appropriate results now recently i've started to rework these charts and i've divided up the map into like discrete areas and obviously on the podcast you guys can't see this but i'm mm-hmm. showing hannah like this is the initial sort of like hex map area and you can mm-hmm. see i've split it up into like different named sort of areas so we've got like the like the vilcan woods the gray heights witch isle whale song forest southern coast stuff like that definitely not been influenced by me looking at the biome map for minecraft at all no not at all this, this, is, this is standard hex map this is like ta- taylor's old as time song as old as rhyme hex map and the beast so there's a few reasons i wanted to do this and split it up into discrete areas uh, the first one is having those discrete areas like gives you a little bit more flavor in the setting i mean after all if you just like oh you've gone into like a, a random forest roll on the forest chart it's not particularly evocative whereas if you're like describing the wind whistling through the bones that hang from the trees in the whale song forest which is an area of our campaign that like the players helped me come up with it's got far more sort of it's far more evocative also having these themed areas helps when improvising so i mentioned witch isle earlier which earlier on in the campaign was like crammed full of undead if you know the pcs are heading there and you've got a general sort of flavor of what that area is if it comes to like improvising a little bit of the work's already been done for you because you sort of Mm -hmm. know what that area is famous for now another benefit is it can also involve actually less tables and obviously not always this depends on how many areas you've got on your map but looking at it's like probably say there's about 10 areas on this map Mm -hmm. so i need 10 tables one for each area on the map whereas if you're using all the different types of terrain and all the sub tables from old school essentials there's a lot of different tables in there now that's not always the case if you've got loads and loads of areas you'd have more for it but obviously you only need to concern yourself with the ones that are in the actual areas where the players are like moving through and finally as you sort of go on areas will get a sort of a bit of like a distinctive reputation of their own so if the players realize that like the majority of encounters they have in the whale song forest are like mutants and undead let's say Mm -hmm. and then in the wolf forest it's mainly like animals and like trappers from nearby settlements both areas start to get a very distinctive different feeling so you know they might be a bit less cautious when they're moving through the wolf forest and it's mainly animals and npcs who aren't going to attack them whereas when they go to the whale song forest they're like oh it's rammed full of mutants and undead we best be like on our guard as we go through here and it all just adds a cut some extra layers of depth to the characterization of your campaign setting without actually you having to do a great deal more work or adding a lot of extra complexity to it so in terms of creating an area specific encounter table a few things to keep in mind first of all decide on the areas you're going to split your map into these could be bounded by like geographical features political boundaries or some other sorts of divides 
think of a theme for your area now if it's going to stand out it should have a strong theme it might be a particular type of monster that's often encountered there perhaps there's a lot of settlements so you're more likely to meet hunters maybe there's a religious shrine drawing pilgrims from far and wide so you're much more likely to bump into clerics and other religious types mm -hmm. but if the area is going to be separate and distinct it needs to have its own character to it next decide what dice you're going to use for your table i like to go with the classic 2d6 encounter table because i know that the the central entries because of the probability curve are more likely to turn up so mm -hmm. i can cluster the monsters i want to turn up more often around the middle of the table and obviously the ones i don't want to turn up as much i can have at the extremes of the table also add in a few encounters from neighboring areas so on my 2d6 tables i have the entry at 2 and 12 as encounters from areas adjacent to the one the chart covers this makes the game will feel a little less static a little bit more dynamic so for example on my map here you've got the whale song forest is next to the gray heights mountain range which is a range of mountains populated by like primitive tribes men yetis stuff mm -hmm. like that and if you get like a, a really low or a high roll when you go through the whale song forest you might encounter one of these yetis or these tribesmen perhaps have come down from the mountains to hunt mm -hmm. now although there's no yetis and tribesmen on the whale song forest chart there are on the gray heights chart if you want a bit more randomness you could even have entries 2 and 12 on your 2d6 table just say re-roll on the gray heights table or something similar mm -hmm. although that does potentially increase the amount of dice rolled and slow the process down ever so slightly but it's not exactly enough to be a game killer my next bit of advice would be to pick a handful of monsters that will be commonly encountered in the area the exact amount can vary but i'd suggest sticking to no more than half a dozen at the most and try to stick to a theme related to your area if you're using a 2d6 table or something with a probability curve then place these encounters on your table in the places that are liable to be rolled more often and my final piece of advice for coming up with these tables would be don't as we said earlier don't forget those non-combat slash monster encounters just because it's a random encounter chart it doesn't have to be full of hostile monsters perhaps due to the number of settlements on the southern coast the pcs are more likely to meet travelers and prospectors or messengers carrying missives between different settlements although these encounters can involve a bit more talking and so they require the gm to be a bit more comfortable with improvising they can go a long way to adding a lot of depth to your campaign setting and they can be a welcome change of pace from the more sort of typical combat encounters so there's something to add in here mm -hmm. would be what about the size of the chart because like if you're walking through a really safe area yeah you're not all that likely to encounter hostile monsters but what if it's also a quiet area you well i feel there's a, there's a couple of ways you can handle that um as we were saying in old school essentials you're rolling that d6 first and it's only if you get one on that d6 roll that you're going to actually have an encounter but you could easily vary the amount of times you roll that d6 mm -hmm. so if you're in an area that's like chock full of potential encounters you might say oh every turn the players are moving through here i'm rolling that d6 if i get a one random encounter if you're in an area that's like quite quiet or quite deserted you might say do you know what i'm only going to roll like once every four turns or something and obviously each time you roll you're not guaranteed to get an encounter but if you're spreading out the rolls 
the actual number of encounters you're going to come across is going to be far fewer as a result and that means you don't have to like tinker with the tables or put like blank entries on the tables but there's also nothing as well to stop you putting extra just like little bits of flavor that aren't actual like encounters on your encounter table so let's say um, let's say you're traveling through a desert that was reputed to once be the home of an ancient empire in like the time before time and it's now all sort of fallen and crumbled beneath the sands and there's nothing left of it apart from ruins you might have an entry in your encounter table that just says you come across an odd colored piece of glass in the sand that's not a monster or an npc encounter but it's also an interesting detail that might lead to the players doing a bit more investigation and stuff like that so you mm-hmm. can add in a few entries like that now the one thing i would say with entries like that is if you if you have something like you come across a shard of broken glass once you've rolled it once or twice it might be worth replacing it on your table with something else because if you have just have a, a random run of luck and you come across like eight shards of strange glass in a row it starts to lose a bit of its wonder and a bit of its interest whereas if you come across a couple of shards of glass and then the gm just like on the qt crosses that entry out and writes something else in it's going to keep it fresh and it's going to keep it interesting which after all is the point of having these random encounter charts really just to like add this element of sort of random chaos and extra interest and challenge into the game so another thing to ask you about yes with these random encounter charts i don't tend to use random encounters in a game and clearly i'm missing out a bit there by not using them at all i think the reason i don't tend to use them is because i tend to be trying to cram a lot of story into quite a short actual play time yeah yeah and random encounters don't add into that story usually as you say sometimes they can lead to some amazing role play Mm -hmm. but i tend to avoid using them simply because they take up so much time when it's just like a random pointless combat with a monster what's your response well i think i think to be honest the the utility of random encounter charts in a game does depend very much as you were saying on the type of game you're running now certainly for my old school essentials campaign it's a hex crawl style campaign there are like plot elements and things going on but the the main focus of the campaign is like most hex crawls you drop the players on a map there's stuff going on around this map the player characters choose which direction they're going in they explore and the the onus is on them to go out and find adventure Mm -hmm. so in that sort of game and like this is a sort of game i prefer the the story isn't really pre-plotted the story is just what the players happen to do during mm-hmm. that session and i think in that sort of game a random encounter works really well because you could be going oh yeah we're, go- we're going to travel to these mountains just to see what's there or we've heard a rumor off an npc there's some yeti up in these mountains we've got to go and investigate see if we can like, hunt a yeti and then there's some random encounter with like a random trader who's like oh yeah i once saw something up in the mountains and it all adds to the game whereas if you've got a more pre-plotted sort of game where there's more of a pre-plotted story i think uh, random encounters do lose a little bit of their utility because as you say if you're trying to fit in all of this stuff you might not have room for a load of random extras whereas if you're running a game where you don't really have a pre-plotted encounter and the story is just whatever the players happen to do 
you've got a lot more breathing room to have these random encounters in and have these extra elements come in which again is just a matter of personal preference i i quite like the hex scroll games because i like plotting dropping a load of different stuff onto the map in the background and then just turning the players loose and going follow whatever interests you do what you want and leaving them to ramble around explore the world as they see fit do what they want now that's not to say i don't enjoy pre-plotted adventures and stuff like that and pre-plotted games because i do but certainly more recently i've preferred this more sort of I suppose open world sort of style of gaming but i do think random encounter charts for me personally work better in that sort of game i don't tend to use them in like games that are more pre-plotted not to the same extent i mean when i was running my um, my vampire fifth edition game the only time i used a random chart was if the player characters were like oh we're going to go out and feed on someone i had like a random chart which was basically like this is the person you come across to like feed on that was the only time i really used it so that's been our episode on random charts by area we hope you've found it interesting if you'd like to get in touch with us maybe tell us how you use random charts in your games or ask us any other questions you'd like to have answered on the podcast then you can do so in a couple of ways you can leave us a voicemail message on speakpipe there's a link in the description of this show or you can send us an email to rdrpgpodcast at gmail.com until we see you next time take care stay safe and whenever you're playing have fun Bye.